Lion's Share Indie Film Podcast. All right, hello. My guest on the show today is Andrew DeBerg. He's a young filmmaker who's already seen a lot of success. Uh, his first film, Just One Drink, actually has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes right now, which, you know, there's not a lot of films at any level that you can say that about. Uh, and he's most recently come out with a short called Twisted Doll, which has been generating a lot of uh, pretty exciting press as well. Hello, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm great, thanks. How are you? Yeah, wonderful. Thanks for asking. Um, how long have you been making movies, Andrew? Um, professionally, two years now. Um, when I was in university, I did, I did do a couple of short films, like really, really amateur stuff, you know, in classes and stuff. But uh, yeah, the last couple of years, I've really sort of gone into the craft. What was it that inspired you to, to get into film? Well, I actually started out as a professional actor, um, which I still do. Um, but um, yeah, I had, I had a, s- a few small roles in Hollywood productions. Um, but I guess I really wanted to have a character that, that meant something to the story, you know. So, uh, so I started writing my own material that I was planning to star in. And after I made Just One Drink, I realized I had a deep passion for writing and directing and producing, um, which I've kept doing uh, since I made that film. And uh, yeah, I'm really happy that I made the transition. So it seems to me like that's a dream that a lot of people have. You know, if you were to ask anyone on the street, you know, whether they'd like to make movies or whether they'd like to star on movies, I think the majority of them would say yes, um, but comparatively few of them actually, you know, chase their dreams and actually start or try. Um, what was it that gave you the the force to actually push through and actually start experimenting and making these movies? Um, to be honest, I've I've been obsessed with film ever since I was a really young kid. I I would always just be watching movies in my free time when kids outside were playing sports. So I had this deep. Uh, I had this desire deep within me to be a part of the film industry. And I'm actually from England originally. And when I came to America, um, my dad got a job in Orange County, which isn't far from Hollywood. So that kind of, it kind of gave me the impetus to try and pursue this professionally. I always knew that it was just ridiculously difficult profession. And, uh, you know, people say it's all about nepotism. And um, although, I mean, there's truth to that, you can, to a large extent, you know, control your own destiny. And yeah, I've just, I've been fortunate uh, that I've just pursued it. A lot of filmmakers have kind of a manifesto, you know, they have a a message, there's something they want to say to the world through their work. Uh, Is that something that you've thought through yet? I know you're, you're really at the beginning of your career. Um, Do you have a a message yet or are you still building on that? I was inspired a lot by Park Chan-wook, the director of Old Boy. That was one of my favorite films growing up. And in that movie, he kind of blurs the line between hero and villain, which I've adopted into my work. Um, so yeah, I guess that's my uh, manifesto, if you will. No, that's wonderful. Um, so let's talk then about your, your project specifically. Um, tell us a little bit about Just One Drink. Um, so Just One Drink was actually, I had a dream that me and my friend, we went to a New Year's Eve party where this, this evil woman was, um, was there. And I thought, and I, when I woke up, I thought that would make for, because when we go to like, we go to events or parties, we kind of get, we sort of, we're in position. I wanted to make a movie that sort of exposed that vulnerability. Um, I made it story eventually. Um, so yeah, in that movie, I wrote, directed, produced, and acted in it. Looking back, it was 
bold decision. And it was very, very difficult, very stressful. Um, on hindsight, um, I can't regret it because the film did really well, but it me into it pushed me quite far. It was very challenging. I think that's um, uh, that's beautiful in almost an ironic way. You you follow your dreams literally and figuratively, uh, and they take you into just one drink. Um, talk about the reception, about how uh, people received it, and how you managed to find that success. To be honest, uh, at first, like I, you know, played at a few festivals, but it started off getting rejected time and time. You know, the reception that I'd, I'd screened it with some people I knew and the people that I trusted, you know, um, and they thought it was great. And I was really dismayed that it just kept, because I, was, I wasn't used to the festival circuit. I didn't realize, like, that even successful films get rejected far more than they get accepted. Um, but I was just very persistent. With it. I believed in the story so much and in the film, but I just kept, uh, I just kept going on with it. I, I wouldn't take no for an answer. I kept, you know, I kept writing the festivals. I kept trying to get, uh, get it reviewed, you know, get distribution for it. And, uh, took maybe a year and a half. And I guess, you know, a year and a half after the film was made that it finally got, you know, success. So I think persistence is really, persistence and patience is, is everything. Uh, in sports, there's, there's a thing called the sophomore slump, right? Where a lot of athletes, their second season, uh, their production tends to drop off and they tend to have more problems. Um, right. I don't think that's necessarily the case with you. The Twisted Doll has been doing, uh, from what I've heard, I, I don't think it's been released widely yet, but uh, it looks like a, a very worthy successor to Just One Drink. Uh, how did the things you learned while making Just One Drink translate into your production of Twisted Doll? I mean, the fact that I wasn't acting in the Twisted Doll, I felt really helped me because when you act and direct at the same time, it kind of like splits your talents through the middle. Um, so with the Twisted Doll, I could just be behind the camera completely and just focus on, I mean, there's three actors in it. So I just, I just completely focused on them, the story, and just did the best I could do to tell the story that I had written. Um, and I guess, yeah, it was, you know, just looking, just going over shot lists and spending weeks and weeks of pre, uh, pre, on pre-production. Um, I guess just working like a maniac, you know, because I knew that my first film had gotten such great reviews and I wanted to, I was a little skeptical at first to make another movie because I thought, oh, like, there's no way I could surpass this. And, um, but I just, when, once I wrote the story, um, I believed in a lot and I just kept going and going with it. Um, and, uh, now it's been submitted to a dozen festivals, so I'm, I'm hoping that it gets into some. Yeah, fantastic. And if not, just don't take no for an answer, right? It worked last time. Yeah, exactly. One of the things that caught my attention about Twisted Doll is that it's a silent film. So, you know, here in the year 2017, uh, you chose to make a film without any uh, audible dialogue. Uh, what prompted you to make that decision? To be honest, it was sort of to combine my two favorite genres of films. So I love silent movies, like especially early silent films like The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which is regarded as the first true horror masterpiece. It was one of my favorite films, the production design of that score amazing. And even movies like The Trip to the Moon, which was the first, you know, really well reviewed film ever. Recently, I, I love psychological thrillers. So the Twisted Doll was basically like my homage to combine those two genres um, to make a silent film with a modern day story as a psychological thriller, but 
through black and white cinematography, through silent, um, no dialogue and having a really sort of involving score that people would love. And I think that's the reception so far. The score really carries the movie um, a great deal. Now, did you say who wrote the score? Was that original from you or did you hire someone? No, my friend uh, Dan Sroker is a good friend of mine. He's a composer. He did the score for that movie. And uh, yeah, I think he, I'm really, really happy with what he did. He really brought, he brought life to the characters and he used the facial expressions actually of the actors to completely drive the score of the movie. Um, so it was a really effective uh, score. I did notice that, yeah, watching through, probably more so, right, because you're not hearing the dialogue, so uh, your ears, I think, perk up a little more than usual, and you, you, you find yourself paying more attention to the music than you might otherwise, but yeah, the score was impressive to me, I think that was, uh, you should congratulate your friend, it was very well written. Thanks, yeah, he's a really talented guy. So, you mentioned a little bit uh, some of the previous films that have inspired you, uh, what do you think your next project is going to be? It's probably too early to even be talking about this, seeing that uh, The Twisted Doll is still kind of in the early stages of a festival run. Uh, but do you have any plans for what's next? Yeah, I do, actually. I uh, actually wrote a feature-length screenplay of Just One Drink that I've been trying to pitch now for, for about a year. And uh, there's a few actors that I really want to cast in it. But, you know, getting getting funding for a feature is a huge challenge. And uh, I, w- I really want to make it, you know, a great movie, so I'm... I'm trying to be patient with how I go about doing it. But yeah, that's my main focus right now is uh, getting that feature off the ground. Indie Risk, is a, it's a high-risk high business, right? Uh, it's one of those things that you kind of have to turn away from a secure lifestyle if you really want to pursue it. Uh, have you found that you've needed to make kind of lifestyle sacrifices in order to pursue a career in film? Yeah, it's the sometimes forgo a social life you know a lot of times you want to go out hang with friends but i feel like if you truly profession you know see that you have to be able to sacrifice things and uh, sometimes it's a difficult choice but um you know, sometimes you have a calling which i feel i do to indie film with it you right i mean it's it's difficult on many levels it's often you know it's difficult sometimes demoralizing but uh for me the power to tell a story and like come up with something that people are going to see and hopefully enjoy. Like, for me, that's price. Yeah, I don't meet many people that complain about the sacrifices they've had to make. Uh, but that is interesting, just the, the social aspect of things. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough business, you know. A lot of, a lot of your work will go unrewarded, but when it does get rewarded, it's an amazingly fulfilling experience so you've had a lot of your initial success with short films right and i think a lot of people start that way Mm -hmm. uh, just because features are intimidating right that they cost so much more money uh take so much more time but uh let's talk for a minute about shorts specifically as uh just a format uh was it just kind of financial constraints that prompted you to make shorts at first or uh were you attracted to the the format just on its own stand well, yeah, I mean, with short film, you can tell, like, with a smaller budget, you can create a really a more believable um, story than with the same budget for a feature. And there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of advantages to short film. I mean, for one, it takes, it takes a lot less money to make an effective one. Um, 
It also allows you to collect sort of a more diverse portfolio. So if you do six short films that are different, you, you can have a directing reel that like completely contrasts each scene, completely contrasts the other. Um, and also one thing I love about short films is because there's less money involved. Um, you have more creative control. And I think a lot of, you know, a lot of great, um, a lot of studio films that end up not being very good. I feel like from what I've, you know, I've seen the director's early work and a lot of it's amazing, but for some reason when they do studio films, some of the, like, some of it's bad. And I feel like that's like the studio clashing or, um, you know, the finances saying they have to do it one way. And, and if they don't understand film, that sort of creates a clash. And you read about it a lot with, uh, you know, with filmmakers and clashing with the studios and the finance people, but with short films, to, to a lot, to a more ex large extent, you can sort of make the movie that you want to make, that you feel passionate about, you know? Yeah, I think that's a wonderful point. Uh, I think we've seen it actually a lot this year, you know, really promising, successful indie filmmakers who got their, their chance to make a big studio film, and it, it kind of flopped. That, that happened with The Circle. Yeah. It's happened to some degree, I think, with The Mummy. I mean, The Mummy was <laughs> kind of a poisonous project to start out with, but... Yeah, I saw that yesterday. I was, I was amazed. I was really disappointed. I was... I was shocked that they came up with such a poor film, you know, I mean, some of the story, I mean, but these people, I mean, these guys have, have done good films before, mm -hmm. but um, for some reason, it's just... It is a whole different world. I mean, some people are able to transition really well, uh, and those are the people that you see winning awards at Cannes and, or Cannes and winning at uh, Sundance, and I, I think it is a special skill set to be able to, to maintain your creative vision even once you have money behind you. Uh, so <laughs> lots of, lots of future challenges, but, uh, I'm sure that actually having a lot of money seems like kind of an appealing challenge at some point. Oh yeah. I mean, Patty Jenkins, who did Wonder Woman, I think she balanced a sort of indie mindset with a big budget film. And I mean, it's, it's a really great movie, you know, um, it's done really well. It made a lot of money and the reviews are very accurate, I feel. I've been speaking with Andrew DeBerg. He's a, a very young filmmaker. He's had two successful, well, I don't know, very young, but he is a young filmmaker. Uh, Just One Drink, his first film, has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, we're talking about Twisted Doll, which uh, is, is beginning a festival run now. Um, Andrew, what was it like? Were you involved in film at all in England? Um, not really. I was kind of a young kid, so I was just, uh, I was involved in theater, though. I did, I did some voice too for cartoons um and i was always doing plays and taking classes so i was i was in this sort of business for quite a while but it was only until recently that i sort of like wanted to make films and i feel like my experience as an actor has helped me a lot because i know i know what actors what notes they need you know to get great performances because i've been in that position myself so i think being an actor has really helped me a lot as a director yeah, definitely. You get that experience on the ground. Uh, the reason why I ask is because I get to cover films from really all over the place. And it's interesting to me how the films that I get out of England are, you know, they're, they're objectively different in a lot of ways from the films I get out of California or from New York. Uh, so I was curious to see if you noticed any difference kind of as you transitioned over. And you might still have some insight in that, considering that you're probably still plugged into both places. Uh, do you have any thoughts on, on why certain geographical areas tend to have like a different film scene than others? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, I think um, 
My favorite filmmaker of all time is actually Christopher Nolan, who started out doing really low budget short films in England about 20 years ago. And uh, you even see in his, you see like, you see that influence. I think he grew up like he grew up loving film. And uh, it's, it's in a way, I don't know, it's an interesting question because Hollywood, you know, has typically been a studio town. I mean, studios hundred years ago, you know, were making films. So, um, Whereas, you know, in different places like New York, I guess you have more of a theater scene. So maybe, you know, they focus more on just acting. I mean, I could be wrong. Um, England is, yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest, I don't know that much about the, the, I guess, with, I guess with Europe, they make a lot of historical movies, especially Germany. I mean, Downfall, the movie about Hitler was a huge hit and amazing film. Um, Mostly, yes, I just yes. know it for the the YouTube mashups of <laughs> let's throw some other you know fake translated words beneath what Hitler's saying and see what we can make fun of. Hey, well, where can people see the Twisted Doll? Is that coming out anytime soon? Um, right now, I have to keep it secret because of the festivals. Um, I'm hoping for a premiere. So um, a lot of not a lot, but a few short film festivals want to have the rights to a premiere. Um, the Just Just One Drink was actually distributed by Shorts TV, so I think they play it every now and then, so you can catch it on that. It's on Direct TV, 18 to Uverse. Um, but yeah, for now, the Twisted Doll, the the teaser is actually online on my YouTube channel. The films are called Just One Drink and Twisted Doll. Uh, you can find trailers for both uh, if you follow Andrew DeBerg on YouTube. All right, hey, well, thanks Andrew for coming on and answering some of my questions, and best of luck in the future. I hope uh, I hope you see some success with that feature. Uh, for just one drink. Thank you so much. I really appreciate being on.